You're listening to the Canadian Investor Protection Fund podcast channel. Here we connect with industry leaders and experts in the financial sector. Hello, and welcome to the CIPF podcast series on innovation. I'm Odarka Desik, Senior Vice President Membership at the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, or CIPF for short. I am so pleased to have Suzanne Lazarado as our guest today. Suzanne is the Vice President Member Services and Innovation at Canadian Investment Regulatory Organization, or CIRO for short. Suzanne, welcome. We're delighted to have you here with us. Thanks, Adarka. Glad to be here. Our topic for today's podcast is regulating financial innovation. During today's discussion, we will get some background information about CIRO, which may be new to some of our listeners who are more familiar with its predecessor organizations, IROC and MFDA. We will also get some updates on the types of innovations that CIRO is seeing at this time and what CIRO is doing to support these industry initiatives while balancing the need to protect investors. Lastly, we'll end the discussion with some key takeaways from our crypto-focused roundtable discussion that CIRO organized earlier this year and some next steps. To begin, let's start with our first question. Suzanne, can you provide some background remarks about CIRO? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think the official description is that we are the pan-Canadian self-regulatory organization that regulates investment dealers and mutual fund dealers in Canada. And we also monitor the trading activity on all Canadian equity and debt marketplaces. So essentially what that means is we regulate the investment industry in Canada. And that means that we have a responsibility to ensure that investors are protected and that trading on Canadian marketplaces is essentially fair for everyone. Because we're a self-regulator, we do it under the oversight of the 13 provincial securities commissions. They sort of function under the umbrella organization called the Canadian Securities Administrators of the CSA. That's essentially what we do. And uh, I think Odark, as you pointed out, we amalgamated this year. So if you haven't really heard of Ciro before, it's not because we're new, it's just because we have a new name, but both IROC and the MFDA have been around for decades, essentially regulating investment dealers and mutual fund dealers respectively. That's the shortest description of our organization. Well, thanks, Suzanne. That's that's great. How about now we understand that one of CIRO's priorities is supporting industry innovation. As the industry self-regulatory organization, what types of innovations are you seeing from your member firms? I think our, our firms, both investment dealers and mutual fund dealers typically, are always looking for new ways to do things. And particularly as it pertains to products and services, they're always looking for ways in which they can continue to meet their clients' changing needs and demands. But more pervasively, I guess, across the industry, some of the innovations or a lot of the innovations, I I should say, that we're seeing are really related to the adoption of automation and digitization and technology, right? I mean, the pandemic hustled in a lot of technological innovation and changes in order to enable more remote work. And so firms are sort of building off of that evolution and transformation. So right now, again, what we're seeing is a lot of interest in artificial intelligence and in particular generative AI, which is now becoming interesting, not just to investment firms, but to all, everyone really, because of the wild success of chat GPT. 
I think we also see digital ledger technology is generating a fair bit of interest because, again, primarily, I think, from the perspective of our firms, because of this immutability and decentralization of record keeping. And uh, it has a lot of use cases, particularly in ensuring accurate and complete records. That's sort of across the board. But, you know, one of the areas where there's a lot of innovation happening is in the crypto space. It's not just transforming in the types of assets and tokens and products that are being created, but also in how the crypto industry is impacting other sectors and industries like payments and investments and settlements, for example. So I think those are some of the key changes uh, that spring to mind. Okay, thank you. Very interesting. So what's involved in supporting these industry initiatives? And are you engaging in conversation with members about how the rules would apply to these innovative business ideas? Is it leading to new rules or guidance or a combination of both? As an SRO, we really value industry engagement. It helps us understand trends, risks, challenges, and even implications, the practical implications of some of the rules that we want to propose. So when firms are coming to us because they have a, a business line or an offering that they want to be involved in and it may be new or novel, what we do is have a conversation with them about what they're proposing. And if the proposal doesn't raise significant investor protection or market integrity concerns, then we essentially talk to them about how the existing rules would either apply to what they want to do in which case we would issue guidance or an interpretation, and that's the quickest and simplest way to do it. But if it isn't contemplated within our existing rules, now we need to determine whether what the firm is proposing is specific to the firm, what they're proposing could potentially apply to the entire industry or both. If it's firm-specific, then we consider granting an exemption from certain rules and impose certain terms and conditions. If it's industry-wide now, we're going down the path of proposing rule amendments and changes. And so we try to figure out how we can now cement it, so to speak, into our rule book. But I do actually want to point out, Adarka, that the way the innovation function, or at least the way I'm envisioning the innovation function working, is that, yes, we've got firms coming forward to us with things that they would like to do. But then there's also a whole host of changes that are not specifically driven by firms necessarily, and rather... They pertain to changes that are either coming or changes that they're forced to deal with. And this is where the innovation function would also be involved. We would look ahead to see what is coming out there that could potentially impact investors, our firms, our marketplaces, so we can plan and get ahead of it, right? And that requires a different roadmap. We're thinking more planning, research, more engagement, white papers, education, I mean, a good example of this is the work we do on cybersecurity, right? Like we do self-assessment surveys, tabletop exercises, and webcasts and education. We send alerts on cyber threats and vulnerabilities to our firms. These are some of the tools that we would use to essentially help support transformation in the industry. So this transformation the industry would like to implement, and there's some that they would be forced to deal with, and that's how our innovation function would help support that. That's great, Suzanne. Thank you. And I mean, certainly you want to support industry innovation, but you also have a responsibility to act in public interest and protect investors. So there's a balancing act that you need to play as a regulator. Yes. 
So how do you balance that need for investor protection and innovation? That's a great question. Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about that, but I think the way I see Ciro's innovation function, it is to support growth and transformation in our industry that leads to better outcomes for investors. And when you remind yourself that at the end of the day, that this is the objective, right? Does this create better outcomes for Canadians? It's not really terribly difficult conceptually then to determine, right? Whether what is being proposed is responsible, good innovation. Now, the devil, of course, is generally in the details of the proposal, not often at the concept level, right? Because almost all of the times firms that are coming forward with proposals and solutions are doing it because they truly believe that it does create better outcomes for their clients, right? Because ultimately they know that if, if it doesn't, then they don't have a long-term viable solution or idea. So the balance that we're trying to find here is really working through the details of how firms want to implement their novel and innovative ideas, not quite the idea itself, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's great. You've mentioned crypto a couple of times, and there are some serial firms offering crypto-related services. And earlier this year, CIPF participated in the crypto-focused roundtable discussion that you and, and your team organized. So what were some of the key takeaways from that discussion? Yeah, the primary objective of conducting that roundtable discussion was to help Ciro enhance our crisis management procedures for firms who trade in crypto. It's no big secret that all organizations should have disaster recovery and business continuity plans. They should have incident response and crisis management plans. Ciro is no exception. So in a situation uh, today where a regulated Ciro member is in crisis and has to wind up operations, as you know, Adarka, we've worked closely with CIPF to make sure that the wind down is orderly so that investors can get their assets back as quickly as possible and that the firm's crisis or the firm's wind down minimizes disruption as much as possible to the stakeholders and, and the system that relied on that firm. So really what we're trying to do is look at our crisis management procedures from the perspective of a regulated crypto firm. Since today our existing procedures for traditional securities firms wouldn't apply entirely to a crypto firm. So we needed to understand the intricacies and nuances, so to speak, of these operational differences so that we would be prepared to deal with uh, a crypto firm that was in crisis if that were to happen. So, so essentially, the roundtable really helped us with that objective. The industry participants were wonderfully open and candid about how they operated, how they would respond and really gave us some really good ideas and uh, suggestions to help us in terms of what Cyril would need to ensure that we can effectively minimize that harm and disruption. So yeah, that was essentially one of the takeaways. But, uh, you know, while I'm talking about this, though, I just want to point out that this protection, this oversight is one of the many reasons why investors should always make sure that the platform that they're using to invest in crypto is authorized to do so. And the CSA has a list of firms on their website that are authorized to trade in crypto. Always check this list to make sure 
that the firm that you were trading through has their name on this list. Thanks, Suzanne. That's great advice. Having conducted this roundtable, do you have any next steps for Ciro? Well, yeah, we're updating our crisis response policies and procedures. So that's sort of the key uh, next steps that we're involved in. In my mind, uh, at least to me, another really cool takeaway from that roundtable was in the value of continuing engagement with the crypto industry. So what we're doing now is creating avenues to enhance engagement with our crypto firms and their counterparties so that we can try to leverage off of their expertise and insights just to help us with meeting our mandate, making sure that we're protecting investors and making sure that trading on marketplaces in Canada is fair for everyone. Suzanne, it was a pleasure having you with us today. It has been very interesting discussion as we imagine how the industry could evolve with financial innovation. Three key takeaways that I have drawn from the session today are, first, who is Ciro? Ciro is the national self-regulator for the investment industry and all marketplace trading in Canada. Second was your advice to investors that any investors looking to buy, sell crypto and digital assets should look up CSA's website to ensure that they are purchasing, selling only from crypto trading platforms identified on the list. And last was your comment about how Ciro will continue to engage the industry to help us identify emerging trends and understand and manage risk associated with those changes, not just related to crypto, but all innovation in the investment industry. So we've now come to the end of our recording. Suzanne, thank you again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to provide these insightful observations. And we'd like to thank the listeners for their attention and hope that they found the discussion interesting. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all CIPF podcasts. More information about the speakers and what we discussed today can be found in the show notes. Please note that this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute advice of any kind. Thank you for listening.